Philippians chapter 1. This morning we will be concluding our series we've been in this whole month called Some Assembly Required. This, this uh, 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 series has been on building healthy relationships uh, and, and, and kind of the groundwork uh, that we've been using for it is Psalm 127 verse 1. It says this, if the Lord does not build the house, the work of the builders is useless, right? We know that when it comes to relationships in our lives, there's work we have to put in, right? Uh, any part of our life we have, we, we have to put in work, but we need the Lord's help. Isn't that right? We need the Lord's help in everything we do, right? We have our part to play, but if we try to do these things on our own, Psalm 127 says if we do all this work on whatever it is on our own, then it'll be useless. We're really not going to get the fruit and the full potential of what God has for us in our lives, our relationships, if he's not in it, right? So we've been focusing on building healthy relationships. Week one, I talked about the heart of relationships and how there's blockages of the heart. As a matter of fact, Pastor Rob's going to go into that in, in further detail at the Freedom Weekend. He's going to be preaching on that and how there's things like unforgiveness and, and rejection and wounds and stuff that, that block our hearts, spiritually speaking, and keep us from having any kind of healthy relationships. So again, if, if that's an issue, you feel like things are blocking you, holding you back, I come to Freedom Weekend, Pastor Rob's going to delve into that even in, in deeper. And we're going to have altar ministry. We have ministry time that whole weekend to, to try to uh, help you and believe that the Lord is going to set you free. And then week two, uh, we talked about building a healthy marriage. Remember, this is the Sunday before Valentine and then the week before our date night. Uh, and so we talked about how to build a healthy marriage. Husbands are uh, loving your wife as Christ loved the church and wives respecting their, their husbands. Uh, and then how many of y'all came out Wednesday night for our XO teaching on Wednesday night? It was great, our XO marriage uh, conference teachings. We got two more weeks of that to continue to help you with your marriage. And then last week I talked about what it meant to be a true friend. And we looked at the example of David and Jonathan and how uh, Jonathan uh, was, was David's best friend and actually was King Saul's son. And Saul's trying to kill David, but, but Jonathan found him and went to him in his time of need when his own dad was trying to kill him and, and, and just... Uh, uh, encouraged him to stay close and strong in his faith in the Lord, and it confirmed his calling and reaffirmed his friendship. So if you missed any of these, I want to encourage you, again, go to our app, our website. You can go to our, you uh, uh, listen to the podcast, YouTube, any one of those platforms will be there. So today, I want to conclude by showing you some ways we can build lasting relationships. So we focus on the heart, marriages, friends. Now I want to focus on building lasting relationships. And I will uh, talk a little bit about parenting, give you a few parenting tips uh, during this, uh, this message today as well. Philippians chapter 1, beginning of verse 1, it says this. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. It's the Apostle Paul and his spiritual son Timothy. They're writing to the church at Philippi. I am writing to all God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. I didn't even hone in on that in the first service, but that just stuck out at me. It shows you that Paul is not just talking uh, to church people to deal with church business. You see this. He says, "You can. You, it's right the way I feel about you. You have a special place in my heart. He was in deep relationship with these people in Philippi. Amen? He, this is a, a letter he's writing about his relationship with them. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with, tender, with the tender compassion of Jesus. 
Christ. Let's pray over this time your word. Father, we thank you that your word is awesome, powerful, true, living, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, continue to speak to us. My God, in, as a, pertaining to our relationships with you first and foremost and with each other, uh, Holy Spirit, help me. I cannot do this on my own, nor do I want to. I need your help. Lord, and we all need your help, Lord, to receive it and to apply this word and these principles, these biblical principles to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When the Apostle Paul wrote the most joyful letter in the Bible, which is this, the book of Philippians, he modeled four relational habits that will help us to all build lasting relationships. So we want to look from these few verses of scriptures I just read, this letter, this heartfelt letter from the Apostle Paul to his, 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 his brothers, his sisters, those in Christ in Philippi, four relational habits that will help us build lasting relationships. Number one, be thankful for the people you're in relationship with. Come on, just that in itself will help you today. Be thankful for those you're in relationship with. Look at Philippians 1.3. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Now let me ask this question. Even some of you, I, I see husbands and wives sitting close to each other, arms around them. Every time you think of your spouse, is the first thing that comes to your mind gratitude or you give thanks to God for them? Amen. Well, good job, Demetra, because it's not always mine. Amen. <laughs> Just good job. Well, the truth is, it's not, it don't always happen that way, right? Especially if you're in the thick of it with your spouse or your friend or your coworker or your children. You know, sometimes you may be thankful that they're not around because you'd want to hit them probably, right? That may be the thanks that you, you're giving. But seriously, he says, I give thanks. You know, gratitude is an amazing thing. Listen, study after study has shown that gratitude is tied to health and happiness. Healthy relationships start with gratitude. Being thankful for your spouse, your children, your friends, your coworkers, your brothers and sisters in Christ. But gratitude doesn't come naturally to most of us in our relationships. We usually think of first about what the other person can do for us. Like we mentioned in, in, in the, the marriage message about a lot of times instead of trying to serve, uh, we think about what we can get out of it. But that's not how Paul approaches relationship. It's really amazing when you think about the context of Paul writing this letter. He's not even thinking of himself. He wrote this while he was awaiting trial in Rome. He's about to go on trial. He's held prisoner in Rome. But Paul goes back to the believers in Philippi and every member he has brings thanksgiving to his mind and to his mouth. Isn't that amazing? Paul didn't have a smooth experience when he started the church in Philippi either. In fact, it was one of the toughest church planning experiences he had. He was whipped. He was humiliated, falsely arrested, thrown into prison, and lived through an earthquake. And on top of all of that, the city leaders asked him to leave town. But his mind goes back to being thankful for the relationships and the people in the church in Philippi. And Paul doesn't men mention any of those hardships out of the gate. Instead, he chooses to be thankful, right? See, in all of our relationships, we need to develop that attitude of gratitude for whoever we're in relationship with. See, when we're thankful for the people we're in relationship with, we begin to see them differently. We begin to see them through God's eyes. See, we will also see a tough situation through God's eyes instead of our own tainted lenses. The Bible says we all look through the glass dimly. And I'll go even further to say, if you're in a relationship that's tough right now, whether it's marriage, friendship, coworker, someone in this church, you may be looking at a relationship through eyes of pain, of hurt, rejection, or constant letdown. I want to encourage you today, try to begin to look through your relationship through the eyes of gratitude. And be thankful for those you may even be sitting next to today. 
1 Thessalonians 5.18, the Apostle Paul again says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You may say, but Brandon, you don't understand this relationship I'm dealing with in my life. I don't. But the Bible says to be thankful in all circumstances. Why? Because this is the will of God for your life. See, God is sovereign and he can redeem any relationship situation you're in, regardless of how bad it is. Instead of griping about it, how about we have gratitude for it? Amen? See, over the years of being in ministry, I've talked to many people that ask me, man, and they, 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 they ask me, they ask me to pray, they, they, uh, they want to know what the will of God is for their life. Well, if you want to know the will of God for your life, here's a big aspect of it. Give thanks in all things. In every circumstance, be thankful, uh, for, for something. We can all find something to be thankful for, right? We're sitting here in church on a Sunday morning. I told the first service. I remember one Sunday morning when I was a teenager and I wasn't sitting in church one Sunday. I was sitting at a place I had to use the phone to call and ask somebody to come bail me out. I was sitting in LPCC on a Sunday morning. I'd much rather be sitting in church on Sunday morning than in jail. Amen? And we all got something to be thankful for, right? We're breathing. We got clothes on. Most of you are going to eat a nice meal after this, right? It was cold this morning. I was glad you had blankets and a heater in your house, right? But he specifically was thankful for the people, the relationships in his life. And we know Paul wasn't only thankful for his relationships with the people in Philippi. This was a common practice and a habit for Paul. We see another example in Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. See, the Apostle Paul couldn't help but give thanks to God for the relationships that was in his life. And we can help build lasting relationships in our lives if we're continuously being thankful for them. And I'm specifically talking about if you're going through a hard time in a relationship, go back to being thankful of why you even started in that relationship with that person, whether it's marriage, friendship, relationship, I mean, you know, your children, right? I mean, whatever the, the case may be. Start with gratitude. Amen. And secondly, number two, pray. Don't just pray, but watch this. Pray with joy for the people you're in relationship with. Some of us pray, but we pray grudgingly. We pray because we know that we, we have to. Matter of fact, we need to pray with joy. Watch what the scripture says in Philippians 1, 4, NIV. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Isn't that powerful? The apostle Paul said, every time I pray, I pray with joy. You know, if you were here Wednesday night, uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans said, he talked, he was talking about faith, praying with faith. He said, if you're praying without faith to God, you're just griping. It's all you're doing. You're just griping to God, right? I think it's the same thing if you're praying without joy, without faith. You're just complaining about your situations and your relationship instead of praying with joy. He said, I pray with joy, right? See, the Bible says rejoice always. That word rejoice, it means you, you make a choice to have joy. It makes, I make a choice that no matter what's happening, I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to pray with joy. Isn't it, let me ask this question, isn't it encouraging when you know somebody's praying for you? When you know somebody's genuine, you're praying for you, isn't it encouraging? I know this week I was dealing with, a, with a quite a few, I was dealing with a couple of things this week and just was really busy and just dealing with some things that were, that were kind of weighing on me. And I know I had people praying for me. 
Matter of fact, I called my wife just to tell her some things was going on. I said, can you be praying? Uh, matter of fact, at the first service, one of our dear family friends, Pastor Glenn Ducharme and his wife, Miss Diane, they were here at the first service. By the way, early plug, men, in April, we're going to have a men's fish fry, and Pastor Glenn's going to be our guest speaker uh, for the men's fish fry. And he was telling me what he's preaching, and I know he's got a word for y'all, so we're excited about that. But he called me to tell me he was going to be here this morning. They're transitioning their church. He's handing over the church to his son. And so they were here uh, this weekend in town, and uh, he called me to tell me that, but when I answered the phone and I said, hello, he knew. He said, what's going on? How you doing, Brandon? I said, well, I'm just, and I started telling him, he said, man, what's going on? And I started talking to him. He said, man, at the end of the conversation, he said, can I pray for you? And it wasn't like, okay, I guess I'm going to pray for you, Brandon. I got to hurry up, though. Let me get off the phone. No, that, that, this brother loves me. He, he's, I mean, they've been knowing me since I was in diapers. Literally, him and my parents were, him and Miss Diane and my parents were like good friends growing up. And, and he's like another father figure in my life. And he was praying for joy. He called me the next day to check on me, to tell me he was praying specifically. I had a meeting at a certain time and I said, hey, can you be praying at this time? He prayed at that time and he said, man, I felt like I had a peace. And he called me to check on me and everything went well. Isn't it nice to have people praying for you? So pray for those that you're in relationship with with true joy, right? See, in almost every relationship, there's something we want to change in the other person, right? If we're honest. Okay, we have no honest people in here. If we're honest, you have something in every relationship you want to change, right? The truth is we can't change other people, but we can pray for them. I mean, you probably like me, and you've probably tried to change the person sitting next to you, right? And it's just hard. What happens? I, it took me like 15 years. I tell Cassie, babe, just do it this way. If you just do it like I do it, then it would help. And she had to tell me for like 15 years, like, Brandon, I'm not you. Okay? I'm not going to do it like you. Now we've been married 18 years, and I'm finally kind of starting to come around a little bit. Right? But I know what I can do is, and I can pray, not only for her, for you, for everybody, whether it's good or bad, we try to change people. And listen, it doesn't matter how much positive thinking you do, all the positive thinking of in the world won't change another person. Only God can truly change him. Actually, God says that he would transform us, or even more than change it, he can transform us. So the quickest way to turn a bad relationship into a good one is to pray for the other person. Not only will it change them, but it'll change you as well. See, just like gratitude, if you're struggling with somebody, it's hard to, to have unforgiveness against somebody when you're truly thankful for them. It's hard to have unforgiveness and a grudge and be mad at someone when you're truly praying for them. When you're praying for them with joy, it's really hard to stay mad at somebody when you're truly praying this way. So Paul gives us a few ways to pray for our, our relationships later uh, in a few verses down in Philippians 1. Now, we can pray this way for everyone in our relationships, but again, for the parents in here, I want to specifically encourage you to pray for your children in these few areas right here. First, look at Philippians 1.9. I pray that your love will keep on growing. Pray that your children will continue to grow in love. See, we can't force our children to love people. But we can pray and ask them to grow in love, right? I mean, this is for all relationships. Paul's praying to the church, praying for the church here. He's, he's asking for adults to grow in their love, new Christians to grow in their love. So any relationship. But if you're a parent, I just want to encourage you to, to that your, your children will grow in love. Next, look at verses 9 through 10. And that you may fully know and understand how to make the right choices. Pray that your children would make wise decisions, wise choices. Another way to look at this is that they would walk in integrity as well. First of all, I've heard that say that wisdom is making uh, the right decision at the opportune time. That's wisdom. And integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. It's easy to do the right thing in church on Sunday morning, but will we do the right thing when nobody's looking? So pray that your spouse, your friends, your family, me, the co uh, your, your brothers and sisters, co-workers, children 
would make wise decisions. That's the way the Apostle Paul prayed, right? Now look at verse 11, Philippians 1.11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. This will bring much glory and praise to God. Pray that those around you, and especially your children, would have Christ-like character. Amen? First of all, if they don't know the Lord, pray that they would come to know Him, that they would get saved, that they would get born again, and that the Lord would continue to produce Christ-like character in their life, produce the fruits of the Spirit in life. I know some of you, you have little ones in here. Some of you may have adult children and grandchildren. You can still pray all these things over your children. Amen? So let's pray with joy for those that we're in relationship with. First, be grateful for them. Give thanks always. Pray for them with joy. And then thirdly, expect the best from people you're in relationship with. Expect the best. Look at Philippians 1.6. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. See, salvation is the good work God does in us when we trust in his son, Jesus Christ. And in uh, Philippians 2, we're told that God continues to work in us through the power of His Spirit. Look at Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Let me pause and say, you can't work for your salvation. Paul says to work to show the results of your salvation. In other words, when you get saved, your life should look different after you get saved. You should have results of you, you, you experiencing salvation in your life. And he goes on to say, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. See, in other words, salvation includes a threefold work. What God does in us, and that's salvation, he, he saves us. He, for, he forgives us. There's nothing we can do. Jesus died on the cross. We just celebrated that through communion, right? There's nothing we can do. All we can do is receive it, accept it, repent of our sins, and we just we make a choice to receive him. But he does all the work, right? Then the work God does in us, and that's a big word called sanctification. And that's the process of becoming more like Christ, right? Where he said, show the, work hard to show the results of your salvation. That's sanctification. We, 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 as we go through our life, we're becoming more like Christ each and every day. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. So he does the work in us or for us, in us, and then the work through us, which is our service. That's our service to God when we serve others and serve him. So this work will continue until we're in Christ, then the work will be fulfilled. So see, it was a source of joy for Paul to know that God was still working in the lives of his fellow believers in Philippi. And because of this, he continued to expect the best in them. We should do the same with others we're in relationship with. Again, especially our children or our spouse or others. We don't normally expect the best in others. A lot of times, I think in the world we've living in and where there's so much negativity, we tend to expect the worst. And let me say this, I, I, I didn't, I didn't think about it till this morning. As I tell you, on Sunday mornings, my message is, is done. I just, I pray through it. I go over it. And, and, and the Lord just showed me something, uh, different this morning or something extra is that some of you, you may be more of an optimist. You say, well, no, Brandon, I, I look at the glass half full. I tend to expect the best in people, but maybe over the years, you've been expecting the best in people. And they continue to let you down. And so now you have a tendency to expect the worst in them. Maybe you started out expecting the best, but now you maybe expect the worst because people let you down time and time again. See, Paul, on the other hand, he was certain that God would complete his work in the Philippian Christians. In this verse, Paul shows us how we can bring out the best in others. And let me just be clear with this. When I say believe the best in people, expect the best, I'm not putting... My, my faith and my hope and my belief in the person. I'm putting, expecting the best in what God's going to do in them and through them, right? 
He said, I am certain that God will finish the good work in you, right? So it's expecting the best, and it's these are all connected. You're praying with joy that God's going to continue to work in your relationships. You're praying with joy that, that God will work in your spouse, your children, your friends, coworkers, people here in this church, right? But you're expecting the best, that they're going to, they're in faith that God's going to continue to work in them and use them. So again, we can apply this to everybody in our lives, but for, our, for us parents, I want to encourage you to help bring the best out of your children by doing these three things. First, help give them confidence. Help give them confidence. Philippians 1, 6 and 7 in the New American Standard says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Remember, Paul's confidence was in God, not in the person, but he said, I'm confident that God's going to continue and fulfill this work he began in you, especially with our children. If your kids lack confidence, reassure them that you are confident that God is still working in them no matter what they feel or they see. And I started thinking about this even at the first service as I was preaching, especially in the day and age of social media. People usually just put their highlights on social media. And even not only for kids, for you, I know for, for stay-at-home moms, my wife tells me a lot, even for us as dads, as men, people put their highlights. A stay-at-home mom will see like, I don't know, a, 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 a mom reorganize her whole house and they're like, I can't even keep my, my room organized. And, and it, they, they start lacking confidence and whatnot. With our children, it's even more so. They're young and they're, they're, they're still processing, trying to figure out who they are. Let's us, let's us give them confidence that God is still working in them and through them. Amen? And I believe that's what Paul did. No matter what they feel or see, which leads me to the next thing, help them paint a picture of their future growth. Help them paint a picture of their future growth. In other words, cast vision for your children. Give them a picture of their future growth. Look what Proverbs 29, 18 says. When there's no vision, the people get out of control. See, our children and people in our lives can get out of control when there's no vision, when you don't paint a picture like, look, things look bad right now. You may think you could never add up to this person, but let me tell you what God says about you, right? Let me tell you what, what the Bible says. He has a plan for you. There are plans for good and not for evil, for a future, for a hope. You give them the word and, and, and point a picture of their future. Paul casts vision for his spiritual children. We should do the same thing for our natural children. Amen? And it can, again, it can be everybody. He's, he's doing this for adults. He's doing this for, for, for new believers, for the church, for church leaders, right? And the third thing, and this is the big, if you take anyone away, this is a big one. Be patient with people's progress. Come on, amen. I, I, I need this one for me. I mean, I'm going to get y'all to come pray for me afterwards for this one. Be patient with people's progress. Paul didn't expect perfection. He expected growth. He expected people would grow in their life, in their relationship, in their walk with the Lord. But he didn't expect perfection. Let me, let me just to, like fill you in on something. None of us are perfect. Right? So those of us that have children, especially our children, why do we expect our kids to be perfect when we fall from it? We've grown. We may be a little further down the road, but we can't expect perfection from our kids. Right. If you really want to build lasting relationships with your children or anyone else, celebrate how far people have come rather than judging them for how, how far they have to go. I didn't originate that statement. I heard somebody say it, but it was good. So I'm going to give it to you. Look at that. I asked Doug to put that on the screen. Uh, celebrate how far people have come rather than judging them for how far they have to go. See, Paul expected the best. You know, he, he didn't continue to beat them down for what they're not doing. He encouraged them and helped them along for what they were doing. Amen? And the fourth and final thing, 
which ties it all together. We talked about it a lot during the marriage, but Paul hits on it. This is the motivation for every relationship. Love people like Jesus does. Don't just love people, but love them like Jesus loves them, right? Philippians 1.8, the Apostle Paul said, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. See, this kind of love was fueled by compassion, a tender compassion. It was the love of God, an agape love that was fueled by the compassion of Christ. Love is the tangible evidence of salvation. Earlier I talked about being saved, about being born again, right? About love is the tangible evidence. How do we know that? Because 1 John 3.14 says it. We know that we have passed out of death into life, spiritual death, right? Dead in our sins into new life in Christ because we love the brothers and sisters. He who does not love remains in spiritual death. In other words, the Paul saying, if you don't truly love people, you're not even saved. You're not even a Christian. Later, the Bible says, how can you say you're, you, you, you love God when you don't, that you can't see if you say, if you don't love somebody that's right in front of you? So that's what, what, what John's saying, not Paul. John said that there. If we don't truly love people, especially people we're in relationship with, God's place in our life, we're truly not even born again. See, I heard it put this way. Love is the spiritual lubrication that keeps the machinery of relationships running smoothly. You know, in, 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 in relationships are, are, uh, uh, you know, we can get locked up, kind of like the gears, you know, on a machine gets locked up or, or, you know, maybe pistons in an engine gets locked up and needs some kind of lubrication, right? Well, love is that lubrication that keeps our relationships running smoothly. It's obvious that Paul loved the people in Philippi with the compassion of Jesus. How do we know that? How did Paul show his love? Well, for one thing, he was suffering on their behalf. Because of Paul's trials, Christianity was going to get a fair hearing before the officials of Rome. Since Philippi was a Roman colony, the decision would affect all the believers. He knew he wasn't just standing trial for himself, but all these people he was in relationship with in the New Testament church. Paul's love was not something he merely talked about. It was something he practiced. We all know those saying, don't tell me, show me, right? We can say, we love you. I love you all day long, but, but, we need to show it. He considered his difficult circumstances an opportunity for defending and confirming the gospel, and this would help Christians everywhere. How can we learn to practice this kind of love? Well, first of all, this kind of love is not something we can just work up. If it's a true agape love, a God love, it's something that God has to do in us and through us. See, Paul longed for his friends, again, with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. See, Paul's love wasn't channeled through Christ. It was Christ's love that was channeled through Paul. It had to be that way. And we see the Apostle Paul makes it clear, Romans 5, 5. And this hope will never disappoint us because God has poured out his love to fill our hearts. I love that. I love how God never does anything halfway. He fills our hearts with the love of God, right? He gave us his love through the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us. So when we permit God to perform his work in us, his good work, as we talked about, then we grow in love for one another. So how can we tell if we're truly loving others like this? For one thing, we're concerned about one another. You're truly concerned. You know, there was the, speaking of the believers in Philippi, uh, they were concerned about Paul, and Paul sent Epaphroditus to minister to them. So Paul was also greatly concerned about his friends in Philippi, especially when Epaphroditus, uh, one of the brothers there, got sick and could not return right away. Let's read about it in Philippians 2.25. And I thought it was necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you 
all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him, and not only him, but also on me, so that I could, I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. You see that Paul was concerned for the church. The church was concerned about this brother Epaphroditus. There was true love. They were concerned. They were checking on one another with true concern. You know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I had some things I was dealing with this week and the last couple of weeks, just crazy busy and, and different things. And, and, and one of the brothers we prayed for last week, he was here at the first service. I did a funeral for his dad Wednesday and I called him to, we were, I had called him to, to go over the timing and, and some things about the funeral. And, uh, he, uh, he missed my call and he called me back. And when he called me back, I said, hello. And we started talking and he said, Hey man, is everything all right? And I'm like, yeah. I said, like, I'm just busy. I'm just, I just got a phone call that kind of earlier today kind of threw me off or whatever. And he said, well, man, do, do you need to talk about it? Like this brother's dad just passed away and I'm calling him to do his funeral. But what? He was truly concerned for me. He loves, I knew he, I know he loves me because he was willing to put all his stuff he was going through aside and actually take time to talk to me. And I said, no, man, I appreciate it, but I'm good. You know, that's true concern. Amen. He put his aside, his grief aside, and we need to do the same thing. He put his grief aside, right? Another way that we know we're truly loving others is by being willing to forgive them. That's always a, a, a true connection. If you really love somebody, are you willing to forgive them? Ephesians 4.31 Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Let me just pause and say, if any one of these are operating in your relationships, it's not going to be healthy. If you're dealing with any of these, you may have a hard time and don't know why all these are coming up. You need to come to Freedom Weekend because all these are just a fruit of what's going on inside. There's a root of why you may still be bitter. You have rage and anger, harsh words and all these things. You're slandering people. You're like, man, I know it's wrong and I want to stop it. I just can't. I want to encourage you. Sign up for Freedom Weekend. And we want to try to help you to get to the root of why you're acting like this. But he says, instead of doing all these things, instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgive one another, just as God through through Christ has forgiven you. A true sign of truly loving people, being concerned for them, checking on them, praying for them with true joy, but also forgiving them when they hurt you. Because the truth is, people will hurt you. The person sitting right next to you that you have your arm around is going to hurt you. Right? That's why also in another place, the Apostle Paul says, make allowance for one another's faults and forgive them just as Christ has forgiven you. It's inevitable, y'all. We hurt each other, right? Sometimes we mean it, sometimes we don't mean it, right? But a true sign of true Christian, godly, agape love is that we're willing to forgive those in that we're in relationship with. I hope and pray as we wrap up this message and this whole series that you strive to do all of these in your relationships. So as we close, I just want to recap ways you can continue to build lasting relationships. Number one, be thankful for the people you're in relationship with. Secondly, pray with joy. Don't just pray. Pray with joy and with faith, may I add, for the people you're in relationship with. Believe God. You can't change them, right? I promise me. Take it from me. You're just going to keep hitting your head against the wall if you try to change people. Pray and ask God to change them. Amen? And expect the best from people that you're in relationship with. And, of course, love people like Jesus loves them, right? And this is part of it. When we pray, 
Pray that the Lord gives you compassion. Remember Paul said, I long to be with you with the tender compassion of Christ. I, I said pray, I pray on a regular basis. Lord, would you fill me with the compassion of Christ? The compassion of Jesus, that compassion of Jesus would overflow from my heart. And that's, that, that's a great fuel and motivator for true love. Jesus shows us a picture of what real love is. The kind of love we should strive for in all our relationships. First John 3.16, and then we'll pray. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Amen? So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And we see the Apostle Paul did that, I mean, figuratively, literally, he gave up his life, his back, his, he was beaten, tortured, on trial, falsely accused in prison. And there's many things we can do. As I, us husbands, we talked about love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, right? We need to do the same things by praying, by being concerned, by reaching out, uh, uh, by expecting the best and loving those. But Jesus laid down his life. As I mentioned earlier, during communion, I know I, I went through it uh, fairly quickly, but maybe today you're not even sure that you're in a right relationship with God. You remember we said if you don't have love, it says you, you shows you're still in spiritual darkness. So one of the evidences of, of, of being born again in a right relationship with God is that you have love. Last week I, I read from Romans that it says we're either a friend of God or we're an enemy of God. You can't, you can't, you know, uh, ride the line, so to speak, right? You know, I thought about it this morning as I was going over this and I thought about my brother that checked on me. I've done, um, I've done five funerals in two months. You know, just I think about that. Uh, how we're not promised tomorrow. A couple of them were sudden. There were sudden passings. If you pass suddenly today, if today was your last day here, where are you going to spend eternity? I mentioned the gospel and the good news. You can't have good news without bad news. The bad news is the Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That word death is eternal death because the next line tells us we can have eternal life. Amen. Would you do me a favor and bow your head with me and just close your eyes? And please, nobody looking around. This is just out of respect for people around you, but also out of reverence for the Lord as well. If you say, Brandon, man, if I, if I died suddenly today, I don't know where I would spend my eternity. Eternally separated from God or eternally in eternity with the Lord. If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure if I'm right with God. I need to get right. I want to be born again today. If that's you, just slip up your hands. I want to pray with you. I see your hands over here. Amen. Amen. Right here in the middle, I see your hands. Amen. To my left. Thank you. Thank you. All the way to my far left, sir. I see you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Or if you may say, you know, Brandon, at one time I had a relationship with the Lord, but man, I walked away and I want to resurrender my life to him today. If that's you, just slip up your hand as well. We're all going to pray. Different hands, more hands going up. Amen. In the middle, I see your hands. In the back over here, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you in the back right here to my left. More hands going up. Amen. Thank you all for being bold. Whether you raised your hand for the first time, first time in a long time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart that that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Come on, just, it's not, it's, and, and you confess with your mouth, the Bible said, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You shall be saved. It's not just a prayer we're going to pray, it's, it's really the faith and the trust in your heart. That word believe means to trust, like you would trust the parachute to save your life, like if you jumped out of a plane. Come on, whatever head bowed, every eye closed, can we all pray this together? Just say this after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. 
Lord, I know that I've sinned. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I surrender to you today. I make you my Lord and Savior. Lord, give me the grace and the strength and the power to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, can we celebrate with these that made that decision today? Congratulations. Hey, for those of you that prayed that prayer for the first time and made that decision, or the first time in a long time, there's a card in the pew in front of you. It says connection card. Hey, fill that out. Let us know you made a decision. Bring it to the info center. We have a Bible for you. We want to pray with you uh, and help you along your journey. Why don't you stand up with me before we leave today? And before we close out on this, this series, if you would say, Brandon, there's a relationship. You don't have to specify it, obviously, but just say, there's a relationship in my life that I need help with, that I need some restoration, some healing, that, that I need God to turn around. That's you. Just lift up your hands. And I just want to pray as we relate. Come on, lift your hands. Keep it high right now. Let's pray over broken and relationships that need healing and restoration. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Those of you, Lord God, that have their, that, those that have their hands up, Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters right now. Lord, I don't know what the relationships are, what they're going through, but Father, you do. And as we've been looking in your word all this month, Lord God, I pray whether it's marriages or, or friends or family, coworkers, maybe people even in the body of Christ in this church or parents with their children. Children. Lord, I ask for breakthrough, Lord God. I pray help, Lord God, restore broken relationships, Lord God. Help us to be thankful for relationships. Those that they're thinking of with their hands up, that they start praying with joy for their for their uh, the, their friends, family, spouses, or moms, dads, brothers, sisters, whoever it may be, that they would expect the best and expect breakthrough and turnaround, Lord, in these relationships, Lord. I pray break generational curses, break strongholds, Lord God. Hard, uh, soften hard hearts that they'd be willing to forgive and to release and to love people in their lives just like Jesus loves them. Lord, I pray for, for breakthrough and testimonies of healed and hold relationships in our lives. And we'll be sure to give you all the glory and the honor. Help us to focus on our main relationship with you that we continue to grow in our walk in faith and love for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Well, God bless y'all. We love y'all. Have a great day. and We'll see y'all soon.